Hello there, you're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We'll also be doing a grab bag for the month of September. We'll be talking about The Creator, Dumb Money, The Exorcist, Reservation Dogs, and more. the news there is a lawsuit that netflix is facing dealing with Zack snyder's rebel moon so a tabletop rpg game maker called evil genius games which does a lot of turning movie franchises into those uh you know tabletop rpgs they are alleging that netflix stole their world building work and did not compensate them properly they're saying that when they got the script and everything to help create the game there was no detail. The alien races weren't named. They had no cultural elements about them. And so the game makers had to create it all themselves, made a whole world Bible, gave it to Netflix to help them out. And then Netflix decided to say that they had breached the contract by sharing these materials elsewhere and then tried to stop the game from coming out, but still wanted to keep the world bible for themselves hmm. so yeah those are the the details of the lawsuit what do you think about that because i think it's it's pretty <laughs> it's sad but plausible that uh the rebel moon just had no depth to the world building at all so this company had to come in and like fill it all out yeah it's um, really sad so <laughs> yeah makes it that makes me really sad i think it's the idea of like there's a big office in, at like the headquarters of netflix on the top floor and ted sarandos is sitting at like a big oak desk he's got like this tabletop rpg world bible and he's flipping through it page to page and he's like my god this is genius we gotta we gotta steal this we gotta make money on this somehow <laughs> that's probably how it went down so yeah i don't uh don't know what the timetable is for this to get resolved but rebel moon comes out in about two months the mm. first part of rebel moon at least so we'll see if any new developments occur over that time but yeah Zack snyder once again projects that he's attached to just having controversy all the time poor man just needs to make a movie man he just wants to make real. a movie all right and then in other news a continuation of a previous story we had brought up. During the strike, Drew Barrymore was going to try and return to continue doing her talk show without the writers. Since then, the writer strike has ended. So just a couple weeks after that whole fiasco. So now she can return, you know, with the writers intact. But the writers have quit. The writers Woo! on the show in particular have quit. So they will not Solidarity. Woo! So there you go. I'm sure she is <laughs> kicking herself left and right for just holding off on that announcement for like a week and a half, and then it would have yeah. would have all been fine. The strike police are coming after her. Whoop whoop! You're doing the whoop whoop thing a lot now. <laughs> what the heck? I think it's really funny. I do it a lot of work with my coworker Nick. 
Shout out to him, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. The box office breakdown for September 29th to October 1st. In first place, Paw Patrol, the mighty movie. Can't be stopped. It had $22 million in its opening. Insane. After that was Saw X with $18.3 million. The creator, the third film debuting, came in third place with $14 million, which is right around where we thought it would end up. Following that was The Nun 2 with $4.8 million, bringing its domestic total to $75 million. The Blind, $4.3 million. Haunting in Venice, $3.6 million. Dumb Money, $3.3 million. The Equalizer 3, $2.7 million, bringing its domestic total to $85 million. Expendables 4 drops down drastically on the top 10 list now, with $2.5 million barely retaining its spot in the top 10. And Barbie still holding on with one point four million that brings its domestic total to six hundred and thirty three million dollars and it's an eleventh week in the top ten. And most likely it's last. Indeed. It had a great run. So Yeah, fantastic legs. Oof. Yeah. Okay, and box office predictions for the weekend of October sixth to the eighth. The Exorcist is big film coming out this week. What do you think it'll get? Twenty-seven million. Twenty-seven million. Interesting. We go with twenty-seven million. I'm gonna go with twenty-one million. I think again the horror films they've been getting close to or just past twenty million. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean this one de- definitely has big name brand, uh, so it could go higher. But I'll I'll just. Mm-hmm keep to the safe 21-ish million mm-hmm. yeah i can see that happening all right let's get into our grab bag reviews let's start with the movie that you were really really excited for you introduced me to it you showed me the trailer mm-hmm. you had where had you seen the trailer was it at like cinemacon or something uh i didn't see it at cinemacon but that was the first time we had heard of it mm-hmm. um that it was getting good reviews and that's big original sci-fi thing so that put it on my radar and then i talked about it on the show and then Later on is when I think the first trailer either came out or was able to see it through uh, one of those like feedback things where you can see the trailer early. Um, and then from there on, I was absolutely excited for it, hooked. So yeah, it was definitely one that I was hoping we'd be able to talk about on the show and that I wanted to be successful since it's a rare thing these days to have an original sci-fi film with a big budget but not an insane budget this is apparently only made for 80 million which that is impressive given how it looks compared to all these other mm-hmm. massive franchise films that we've seen come out that are 300 million and don't look nearly as good um, yeah but sure. yeah definitely something that i was excited by where were where was your excitement level as i had getting close I was a little less excited than you were because I had a feeling from watching the trailer that the story wasn't going to captivate me that much. But since seeing the trailer, I mean, of course, I think it looks gorgeous and I was excited to see the visuals and like the world building of all that. So I was like medium excited to your big excited. Gotcha. So yeah, filmed by Gareth Edwards for the first time in many years since Rogue One. Uh, And then before that, Godzilla. Seven years, man. That is a long, long time. And then before that, it was Monster, 
So yeah, it's been a long time coming to have a new film from him. And then the cast with John David Washington as the lead, Madeline Yuna Voyles yeah. as the little girl, Jimma Chan, Alison Cheney, Ken Watanabe. So quite a solid cast attached to it. So let's talk about the initial impressions. Dylan, what'd you think? Um, I got exactly what I thought I was going to get. <laughs> I was met exactly where my expectations were. Medium excited was the proper amount of excited. The visuals were gorgeous. It looked incredible. One of the best looking sci-fi movies I've ever seen. Like up there with like Blade Runner 2049, like quality of, of CGI and like real world, uh, uh, like interpretations and real world building and stuff. Like it looked absolutely fantastic. Story-wise, not very strong. It felt like there were a lot of good starting points but it didn't really go anywhere with them, which was disappointing. And instead focused on like the heavy handed plot of like the, the father daughter trying to like go on this journey together and then accomplish the journey together. And it didn't really lean into any of the dynamics between the two. I don't know. It just, it just fell flat a little bit story wise. So like, like by the end, it's like, why do I even care about these characters? It just is what it is. But looked gorgeous looked gorgeous yeah i largely agree with everything you said there the visuals stunning insane incredible greg fraser who was dp on this there are actually two dps him and orin soffer Mm -hmm. so that's pretty fascinating but certainly you can see greg fraser's fingerprints all over it he did dune and then did the batman and both of those are like some of the best looking blockbusters uh, of the past decade. Blade Runner 2049 probably being the top among them. So this looks sensational. It is just incredible what they were able to achieve. And then that also plays into like Gareth Edwards' strength because he came from a visual VF like the VFX background. Mm-hmm. So he, in his very first film, Monster, like the very small scale, was able to utilize that a lot with Godzilla and Rogue One. Obviously, he was able to play around with a lot more budget, but both of those films also look really good, have great CGI. Um, mm-hmm. So in this one, it's just integrated seamlessly. Like, there's not one false note of CGI. It all yeah. feels real. Mm-hmm. It all feels grounded. Those Somehow, robots though, look incredible. Yeah, like, you're seeing those robots, you know that can't possibly exist, but it just looks so real. Like, it was incredible they were able to pull that off. And consistently, because there were many of those robots, simulants that were throughout the film. And every single time, it looked great. Like that little the hole in the back of their head, and it's like moving mm-hmm. half the time when they're thinking or um, speaking. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was amazing to see that. So I agree with you there. Visuals, I think everyone can say that that was a big, positive, extremely well executed. The mm-hmm. story... The characters, <laughs> the themes, the story, mm. all of that, yeah, was not uh, not, not living up <laughs> to the great expectations of it being like this new um, seminal piece of sci-fi yeah. in the 21st century, which is sad because uh, 
I would have loved it it's, to be able to to stick the landing on all those aspects, but it just it's doesn't. hard when you make a movie where the central like theme of what you're supposed to be talking about has already been done and done perfectly. Like Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, the themes that they're trying to talk about of like are these AI robots people like if if the, it is still programming, but they believe that their emotions are real, are they real emotions? That whole concept was done perfectly in the original blade runner and then again in blade runner 2049 yeah and so to make a movie where you just do it worse unforgivable <laughs> you had the blueprints right there like it had already been done perfectly like you like you knew what to do and it just i don't know it didn't yeah. talk enough about the philosophical implications of like our ai do ai feel things they have like the bits where where the the soldiers are like it's not real man they're just programming and then, like, that's the only mention of it. And then they have parts where they just have robots who have faces and you emotionally connect with them. And you see the guy whose wife gets blown up and he's crying over her even though she was just a robot. And then you feel attached to the kid who's also just a robot. And it's like, yeah, but also, nah. Like, <laughs> you're, not, you're not landing the ship here, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. That's the other thing, too, is, like, it's original sci-fi, but also so much of it is derived from things we've seen in other works the most clear example of that is like the whole uh father-daughter connection yeah like the papa bear having to protect the little cub like the last of us last of us we've seen that but before that i mean it's happened plenty of times the road we've seen mandalorian as another example recently the first walking dead game the telltale game if you remember that Mm -hmm. also had that exact uh sort of formula it's a great formula. Like, there's a reason why it keeps a quiet place like, too. True. So these, <laughs> these things happen again and again because they're effective. They work. But the issue is when we've had so many popular and well-executed versions of it. So recently, if you're not able to at least match that or provide a new spin on it, exactly, which they could have done with the AI thing, that would have been a compelling way to to do a bit of a spin on it, but they didn't really go for that. So that was another thing holding it back is the sense of a lot of this stuff is familiar, but they're not actually executing it in a way that is satisfying enough or fascinating enough. So it's it's like the, the groundwork was there. Everything was done to like build this great movie and it just didn't stick the landing. Like it could have been something absolutely mind-blowing and incredible if they had just done a little more character work yeah Yeah. if they had just done a little more character work it would have been maybe the best movie of the year like if they had if they had like landed that emotional climax at the end of the movie where well we're just getting the spoilers they had landed that emotional climax at the end of the movie where she leaves the ship and joshua blows up on it like dude it could have been the best movie of the year And yeah. they just didn't build up enough to to really stick that landing. That sucks. For sure. So, yeah, visually, it'll definitely, I think, remain one of the most beautiful films of the year. But, yeah, sure. the, the fact of the script was lacking. And then other elements, too. We'll talk about performances and stuff like that. But, yeah, it is. It's unfortunate because it, it did have that foundation. It just wasn't able to build on top of it um, in the best way. And it was also very timely of a story right with ai being such a big talking point as of late um and so i think the fact that yeah it doesn't even dive into any of the philosophical 
implications of AI and are these people, should they be treated as people? How can we determine that? They never really go into that at all. They don't try to interrogate that question. It's just sort of a given that you're on the side of these AI because they have the human faces and we're mm-hmm. going to connect with that. But they don't really, I think, present any argument to be like, oh, they should be looked yeah. at as humans or at least just a conflict among any of the characters of like, because yeah, even the protagonist, John Dave Washington, yeah, it's, all of his characters, the protagonist, the protagonist. actor, tenant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he doesn't even have really, like he doesn't bring that up once. Like he doesn't ever seem to care whether or not these people are like, should be considered people like human beings or not. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, that's, it's an that easy thing problem. that you could have, have them start with the belief of these are not people. They can't be treated as people. I can't care for them. And then over the course of him building that relationship with a, a little girl, then mm-hmm. he changes his belief and he's like, Oh, these are real people. Um, and they mm-hmm. have like the capacity for humanity, both the good things and the bad things, like having just some nuance there, I think would have been helpful. Um, yeah. any sort of major change in his like worldview, especially towards the AI, but they just didn't really do that at all. Yeah. If you're going to do it, the, the subtle way of like not having any conversations about it philosophically, you're just going to like try and show the lives of the robots and like try and make the audience empathize them as Joshua empathizes with them. You need to like put him in those situations a lot more often. You need to really hammer it home because it's, it's harder to have that philosophical discussion like by showing it rather than telling it. Like if you're going to show it, you have to show a lot of it and they don't really show the lives of the robots that much. It's mostly just about Joshua's journey. And so I don't really care Like if his journey is supposed to be about him uh, changing as a character based on what he sees in reality. And we don't really see much of what he sees in reality. Then I don't really care about his journey, which becomes an issue. True, very true. And they do, and it's frustrating because they have like these little glimpses of it. There's that yeah. one thing of the one of the simulants speaking to a bunch of like little children. The kids, yeah. Um, that was a and, good like, scene. That was great. Like, oh, uh, like them doing story time and that sort of thing. And just talking on. about how they want peace and that there's a, a machine now that can end all wars. Exactly. All yeah, that like yeah. myth making thing uh, was great. And so I would have loved more of that. Yeah, or them actually leaning into having like these philosophical discussions, because as you know, I mean, I'm a big, big fan of that in general. So when that's well executed in a film, it can be very satisfying for sure. So yeah, that I think there need to be more. And there's other elements too, like the whole idea of LA gets nuked by an AI apparently. So then America and the rest of the West are like banning off all of these AI, but in the East, in New Asia, which they just, I don't know, decided to combine Asia, all of Asia into one. Yeah, New Asia. So they have not banned AI, and they're still integrated into society over there. I thought that would have been a great uh, way to just look at the differences in how each society, each culture was treating their AI, and why that may have been a different response among the AI of, mm-hmm. in one side of the world, they're rebelling and trying to nuke like cities and take down their human overlords. Well, they in this very... other city, they aren't, and they feel like they are a part of the society. They're treated like people. I felt like that would have been a nice yeah. uh, dichotomy to explore, uh, but they also didn't 
lean into that really at all. I mean, didn't get much like info of the of the LA nuke thing happening. Like that was a pretty big event, and they just sort of like that was mentioned at the very beginning, and then it sets everything yeah. in motion, I guess. But they don't really explore like how did that happen? What was the AI? They like, they, they very briefly Ken Watanabe very briefly says it was human error, the the coding error that caused uh, the nuclear warhead to go off. So he says it's human error, and I'm like. Why, why did you briefly mention that could have been like a major plot point here that could be that like too. part of the reason that changes Joshua's mind and you you just yes. barely mentioned it that's the other thing past. about this is the the reveals that they do are just so like casual and nonchalant and done in conversation rather than yeah. having any build up to them it reminds it me was, of Tenet a lot I feel like a Tenet <laughs> did that a lot as well which is sad because John did Washington two for two movies that like looked fantastic but did not have good execution script wise. Right. That sucks. Yeah, we'll talk about him and his uh career in a moment. But the the and again, I don't ever want to knock like a film for not or for being like too predictable. Just because like that's a thing that is also subjective. Like some people can totally be taken by surprise, other people can just clearly see like the road where we're going. This one I do think leans a little bit too heavily into like I mean it was kind of obvious that Nirmada is what it was, right? Yeah. It was going to be um his wife. Yeah. And that the kid is his kid. Go, like a creation of yeah, him and um his wife's original child. So those things felt like very obviously where we were going, which by the way is not a bad thing because that's like who's going to be Nirmada? Like it makes sense that it has to be someone he's connected to. And the most mm-hmm. important person he's connected to is his wife, so that's just a good way to tie everything together. But I don't think they led us astray enough from that belief that it would be her. And again, when he's told, he's just like told on a boat as they're like passing by. He's like, oh, by the way, this is, uh... oh no, it was when that one guy was dying. Yeah, he, he said it. He like her, her, yeah, her hologram is playing. And she, he goes like, Nermada's not her father. She is Nermada. And he goes, oh, and then he dies. And then he just grabs <laughs> the kid and runs. Yeah, so that was... That was odd. And then it's later on the boat when uh, he gets told, oh, yeah, that little child is based off of, like, the embryo of you and your Mm -hmm. wife's kid. So, like, both of these things would have been so great to see revealed in a much more showy way or where he's discovering it. Like, he finds some sort of info that puts all the puzzle pieces together rather than people just being like, oh, by the way, (laughs) this child that you're caring for, remember that kid? that your wife was pregnant with years ago when she died. That's actually just like a copy of it. So I'm like, I don't know. That felt also as another way to try and heighten the the connection you're supposed to feel between the father and daughter. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, the uh, Alfie and uh, John Day Washington. But I felt like they should have been able to support that relationship a bit more mm-hmm. without going to the fact of, oh, they're like more blood related and not just like, strangers it should have been able to work if they were just strangers and like this uh simulant child had no actual connection with him yeah and then he could have just like like joel miller did and and like just like pseudo replaced his daughter with this figure exactly his own mind which would have i mean either case works honestly i think either situation works just fine i feel like if they were going to do the daughter at which they did they should have uh 
I feel like it would have been more interesting to have like a dramatic irony situation where you're revealing it to the audience a little bit earlier than you reveal it to him. And so you have that sort of complex dynamic where we know what's going on and he doesn't. I've always favored that. There was a movie, um, oh my God, what is it? Clute. Did you see Clute? I have not yet. It's really good, but they tell you at the very beginning of the movie who the killer is. Like they tell you immediately who -hmm. the killer is. It's great. Gotcha. So yeah, that was uh, another missed opportunity I felt like in the story department and the writing that, yeah, ultimately sags the film a bit. In terms of the performances, this was another thing that stuck out like a sore thumb Mm -hmm. compared to all the beautiful visuals. John David Washington in particular. Mm -hmm. I do not think he was good in this. I don't think he was believable or charismatic. He's a little out of place. So I mean, I was, feel the same thing about Tenet a little bit. Which I was my hot sauce an hour ago. Not looking great for John Dave Washington. Like he's getting these leading man roles, but in some of them, they're just not they're not working out. But in Black Klansman, he was great. I oh, he's he fantastic in that movie. Yeah. So I think it just depends on the role. I think I think a he's not okay. picking or not getting roles that are written that well like i don't think tenet his character was written very well and i don't think in this movie his character was written that well from the Mm get-go but i mean it's still an actor's responsibility to take a role that isn't written well and try and make it as good as possible like his father denzel can do that on a dime like every performance denzel gives out is stellar regardless of whether the character has been written well or not and uh i mean i guess john david washington's just young i don't know i think he's a good actor i think he has potential to be a great actor I just think he is getting like hammered down with sort of poorly written roles and maybe not just performing it excellently. It just felt like felt like all the dialogue in this movie was so it was either like too expositiony or too cheesy. Like very very cheesy jokey dialogue that wasn't actually that funny or like very That's long true. bouts of exposition that I don't care about. Dude, those jokes were so it reminded me of Tenet. This movie reminded me of Tenet a lot because <laughs> the, the jokes were so bad. Yeah, oh the, my no, God. no joke landed. It was it was quite rough. It was, uh, dude. All of the American soldiers annoyed the fuck out of me. I know they were also very like over the top. They're so like, one dimensional. The guy it's that like, wanted to cut off one of their faces to like do the facial recognition and then they don't even show him using it. Well, that's true, but it's like he also could have just moved the body and like yeah. the face in front of it. Like, why is he saying, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna cut his face off"? Like, yeah. that was a little bit whack, too crazy of the uh, bloodthirstiness. It, it's, like, so, it's, like, know, it's like it's like it's like the the scene in Aliens where they're uh, where they're heading to the the planet and it's all the the jugheads and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna get these aliens!" Do 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 do, and they like like punching each other and stuff. But then you see them like go there and they experience it and it's like horrifying. And then you have characters yeah, that's also- out of that. But it's great in this movie, of- it's just the jugheads like hitting their heads, and then they're like, "We're in war, yeah, woo, soldiers!" And then they just die, and that exactly. or to have zero character development. Part of the like why that works in Aliens is, as you said, like that dramatic irony of we know, as does Ripley, that these aliens are going to absolutely destroy these people, and they're not they're mm-hmm. not aware to that fact. They're not taking it seriously. They're thinking they can just go in and be all macho and blow it all down burn it all down but we know that's not going to happen so that's why it's uh, such a great build-up here they're just yeah they're already on that like level 10 of being bloodthirsty and wild 
but they're also mm-hmm. killing like innocent people. And again, that's part of why they're they're trying to make them out to be bad people. Like they had that too, where he was going to kill the dog, like right before that. Yeah, what the, the one fuck? Family. So like, they're clearly doing this to so make many, them like as bad right. as possible. But not one, but two dogs almost died in this movie. That's whack. <laughs> it's true. Um, Close calls for the dogs in this movie, but I yeah. think it's it's just like they're also just so one dimensional. Like I like we have the setup of they hate the robots and they hate the simulants because L.A. got bombed and they think that they're a threat. Sure, but we don't actually see that in their characters. They just seem like warmongering idiots yeah. who don't give a shit about anything. Like we see no like genuine hatred of AI. We just see like ignorance and stupidity out of them, which is like bad writing. Like if if they, we had made them like bad characters but like they really hated the ai and they like really like tortured them and stuff that would make me have sympathy for the ai it would yeah. be like a it would be like two for one on that like it, it's more character development for those characters makes me dislike them more and it makes me sympathize more with the ai and their cause but they didn't do that they just were jugheads who just shot whatever and didn't give a shit yeah it's a bit of a clumsy way but that could again i think part of their intention was just to make it as like oh look at how awful these soldiers are and so we want to be on the side of the ai immediately they did try at least with alice and janney's character to give her a thing of like oh her two sons died and they went off to war because of her yeah and she got something the one good moment of like her character. exactly and the rest exactly. of it was her Dumb. just throwing out stock phrases of like let's go get them or oh burn them down if i'm not back in like yeah. three minutes take off without me like all these just stock phrases you've heard a million times from these yeah. like, action sci-fi things and that sucks because Allison Janney is so good. Allison Janney is so good. I love Allison Janney. So I, I wish she was given a much more substantial, well-written, nuanced character. Cause yeah, they her... started it off nuanced, and then they just immediately made her one-dimensional as soon as that conversation was over. And that sucks. Yeah. So I felt, yeah, like across the board, these are not uh, these performers turning in their their best work. And yeah, that mix of again just the thinly written. Uh, script and then i don't know on the direction side of things gareth edwards phenomenal mm-hmm. with the visual aspect but i don't know if yeah again he had the handle on making the emotional world of these characters feel very fleshed out so that was that was rough so much would you would you say you were disappointed by the movie uh for sure damn i'm sorry man that sucks you were really excited for it I was. I wanted it to. I was rooting for it. Would have loved for it to be successful, uh, both as like in the quality of the movie, but box office mm-hmm. wise, doesn't seem like box office wise is happening. Um, and then unfortunately, this isn't one that I'll be like clamoring to revisit. Um, even though, again, there are some great moments. The that bridge on the scene, or the oh yeah, that whole the battle, the whole battle sequence building up to that shot, like the way it shot is fantastic. Yeah. Oh fantastic. my god, dude. It was taking me back to Rogue One a little bit. Like it was really, really good sci-fi battle sequence with like the the rumbling of the trees and then the reveal of like the, the US Army tumblers, which I hated because they had the words US Army printed on the side of it in all lower caps. Lowercase, really? Yeah, it was US yeah. Army in all lowercase letters. And I was like, I what? Remember, I remember seeing the US Army thing, because again, they're like, yeah, they're trying to be it was pretty blind about that stuff. But it being lowercase is pretty funny. I guess that's just the future, you know? Yeah, um, but yeah, Brand, that whole new branding for the army, <laughs> trying to make them more friendly. Where the exactly, army? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the um, the thing though, yeah, that build up to that scene of like the rumbling and then that coming over, that was so Godzilla esque. Like he was yeah. pulling up all the stops out from there. 
and yeah the battle itself felt very rogue one even to that um those like suicide bomber droids that were running in Dude, the shots of, yeah the shots of the the fog rolling over the bridge and they're standing there holding it down oh it looks fantastic yeah it looks absolutely incredible hear the running of that droid dude i I think it's so stupid the the droid goes it's been an honor serving you (laughs) ma'am i thought it was hilarious i wish the second one would have done it too (laughs) it's like like, it's so dumb what other serving had they done like You'd their imagine their job only is role to is to do balls. this. So this is day one on the job, and he goes, <laughs> "It's been an honor pleasure serving, serving you." <laughs> I think it's yeah. so stupid. And then they don't elaborate on the concept of okay, so the army does use AI because that's like a that is a robot, isn't it? It's a self thinking robot whose job is to run in and blow up a target. They don't right. elaborate on that whatsoever. They just show it happening. And I think yeah. it would have been an interesting thing to be like, okay, so the army will use the robots against them. That's kind of interesting. Like how in Avatar, they uh, they use the bodies of the, the blue people to get in close. And then in Avatar 2, they literally are Avatars now fighting Avatars, you know? I think that's an interesting concept. Indeed. So, yeah, they didn't uh, lean into that fully. It was also weird, the whole Nomad uh, airship thing, which yeah. looked amazing all oh, the time. Oh, sick. Yeah. There's also an issue, though, of where was that thing located in, like, in vertical space because sometimes right? it looked like it was in the sky right over it. and then at the end it's like in space, in space literally. yeah so I'm like, and it's like does that and then the the proportions of like the laser beam down on the ground is always yeah. the same but mm-hmm. if it's if it's higher up shouldn't that be a wider field of the laser beam exactly yeah because it's farther so that, away yeah that was a little like, and that would have also simultaneously made it way more ominous if it like was in space at the end and then the laser beam projected and it was like huge Mm-hmm. that'd be fucking terrifying for sure and they didn't but overall like that ship the design yeah the whole thing of like it that looked awesome beam tracking down looked fantastic lizard beam was cool yeah and then cool idea. i was just wondering though they were saying like oh this is the key to winning the war but from what we saw in that village like the massive huge like tanks that are destroying trees and yeah like, it's amazing that, that america hasn't just taken over everything that's what i'm saying it's like it looks like there's it's pretty one-sided it looks like and we also it looks like you're losing yeah too much of the like what are the politics of new asia and is it a thing where they're like actively fighting against the u.s on behalf of the ai or are they just saying like oh the ai mm-hmm. are getting and they and we're not gonna intervene like that also wasn't entirely yeah. clear they very briefly show at the end that there's like world protests against nomad and it's like well that hasn't existed up until this point and that yeah. could have been another factor in like concluding that okay so maybe society doesn't want what the u.s military wants maybe society does want ai to be free to to live their lives and they don't explore that either it's just like they they pin it all on like if we blow up nomad AI will be free, but then they don't back that up with anything. And so like, I'm not convinced that the AI is actually free. It feels more like a step in the right direction, but it doesn't feel like the end all be all victory. Exactly. It feels like they won the battle, but maybe not the war yet. Cause yeah, the whole movie, America is just dominating them. Like it's not even a fucking fight at this point. They're just getting slaughtered. Mm -hmm. Very true. So, overall, not the uh, the best outcome for the film of what we would have loved. Would have loved to become him here and be like, oh, it's fantastic. It's amazing. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be a new sci-fi instant classic. Nah. But still think it's worth checking out for, for the visuals alone. Yeah, yeah, just watch it for once. For, sure. for yeah. those visuals are incredible. Dude, the shot of uh, when they're in the temple at the end with the wife and Nomad is coming in and it's the shot of Nomad in the sky and there's a, a robot standing on a mountaintop looking at it and the robot's wearing like traditional Nepalese uh, like uh, traditional Nepalese like religious gear oh my god yeah. it looks that's my favorite shot in the movie like it looks fantastic like, this look of like the nomad just like dominating over the sky and this this creature that is like so distinctly a robot but so human in its appearance and so peaceful it, it's just i don't know i think it's the perfect shot from the movie it should have been the poster if you ask me that would have been a good poster shot yeah i think so i'm trying to think of what you were mentioning there i'm trying to recall it it's it's a, do it's a very really very brief shot like it's like a it's like a less than two second shot and it was on the screen and i went that looks fantastic just because the robot he just looks so peaceful and he looks so like content with himself it and was like a full this, robot it wasn't a simulant no yeah it was, it was i love robots. the look of the full robots i want to see a movie it where it's, it's just the robots in a society and there's no humans whatsoever, and I just want to see them like interact with each other, like a, like a like you can make a story that's like a normal drama, but then have it be robots, and I would want to watch that, just like see how their society functions, how they interact with each other as like AI beings, like it just looks interesting, and then like have CGI of that quality. I feel like it would be really cool to watch. Yeah, for it sure. reminds me a lot of. Um, did you ever play Stray? <laughs> The cat I game, did not, although I would have loved to. You fucking would love it. It's a cat game. You can be know. a cat. It's so cool. But the the whole world is populated by these robots who look a lot like the robots in this movie, and they're just like they're just like these robots. They like act like humans. They talk like humans, but they're robots and they're like programming. And uh, I thought it was cool. Nice. All right. So, how many simulants out of five? I'm gonna give it three and a half. Gotcha. I'm giving it a 2.5 out of 5. Damn, you really didn't like it. That's yeah, really it sad. Rough. There's also there's one sad component of my viewing experience too, which what? is towards one of the emotional moments when it was like him rediscovering. Um, it was kind of done. It was like a montage. So I don't think it was when he actually stumbled upon her in that like one temple thing. But it was mm-hmm. like him thinking back to his wife. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the like more effective i think emotional moments but it was like when he's like looking back at the beach and stuff and they're like dancing and stuff yeah uh but i couldn't connect with it at all because two mofos in front of me (laughs) in the theater were having a whole conversation oh no so that was frustrating so i had to wouldn't it be funny if it was lily and i that would have been wow i would have had to smack you on the head but i leaned over and i was like <laughs> like I, <laughs> and they looked. They were like, "Uh," and I was like, Shh. and then they were silent for the rest of the thing, which is great because there was so much more of the movie after that. I was like, "Oh, we're winding down. Like maybe I can let it go." And I was like, "Nah, let me just. I don't want them to do this in like another emotional climactic moment." So I had to shush them, and thank God I did because there's another. I think it's really funny that you do that. I think it's really, really funny that you shush people in the theaters. I have no qualms <laughs> about it. I'm living the best life of not having my experience ruined anymore by people that are 
insane. I think it's theater, funny. Look on the phone or to talk to other people. It's like, do that somewhere else. You paid money for this. Why are you? I thought it was really, money? really funny when we were watching Sophie's Choice and in front of us, there was the girl <laughs> on her phone and you leaned over and you were like, tell her to put her phone away. Tell her to put her phone away. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And you're like, tell her to put her phone away. Yeah. It was bothering me so you're, much. You're against like doing that. I have now reached the point where I do not care. I will gladly do it. And I'm not in the wrong. Do it. I, don't I expect me to do it. I'm not saying you're in the wrong. I'm not saying you're in the wrong at all. They you're shouldn't just have closer, their phone now. Which is why I was trying to get you to do it. But I'm just saying I don't care enough to the point where I'm going to tell another human being what to do. Well, I do. If people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, and very clearly so, then I will gladly correct that to preserve the experience for me and everyone else in the theater. I'm doing a public service by doing that. So, <laughs> so yeah. funny. The gloves are off now. <laughs> I think it's so funny. That's really sad, though. Two and a half out of five. You were really yeah. excited for it. That's a really low score. I still Indeed. I still enjoyed the action bits of it, and I enjoyed the, the visual quality of it so much that I still enjoyed watching the movie. I would just probably never watch it again. <laughs> yeah. That's the, I, have no, I have no desire. I will pull up clips on YouTube to look at the CGI, but I'll never watch the full thing again. Like I don't see a need to. Whereas Blade exactly. Runner, I mean, I will watch Blade Runner 2049 until I die. And that does have incredible CGI. That's even better, if you ask me. And uh, oh, fantastic story. Fantastic. Yeah. The only thing this movie has on Blade Runner 2049 is that the robots look so much better. The robots look incredible. They do. They're really well done. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to The Exorcist, which I, of course, did not see. Because it's you don't like scary movies. A spooky movie. Bomb. Have you have you seen the original no. Exorcist? You have not seen the original? No, I have not. Right. Also, is this called is this is it called The Exorcist or is there? It's a called The Exorcist Believer. Okay, thank God. Because if this yeah, man right. did his Halloween 2018 thing again, right? I've been so annoyed. He, he almost did when they announced that it was just The Exorcist. So I remember you and I reporting on it and being like, "This fucking guy. Yeah, this fucking guy is doing it again." <laughs> but they they added a subtitle, The Exorcist Believer, which is good. Um, right. So the so, original Exorcist, well, so you have seen it, yeah. The original Exorcist, and you love it, yeah. yeah. The original Exorcist is one of the best movies ever made, and it could be argued, like it could be easily argued. I don't think I would make the argument, but somebody could easily make the argument that it is the best horror movie ever made, very easily. Like it is phenomenal. Watching it was incredible. Uh, that being said, the last time I watched it was not a great experience. So it was it was Barry's class. It was the last day of the semester of my last semester of college. It was my last class of college ever. Wow. And I wanted to show up and drop off my essay and leave. That's all I wanted to do. I did not want to sit through anything. And you know how Barry does the attendance? Mm -hmm. So he's doing the attendance at the end of the class. And he goes, all right, we're going to watch The Exorcist, and then I'll take the attendance. And I went, fuck. Fuck me, because I love getting hundreds in Barry's class because it's so easy. You just do the essay and you get the attendance. Like I don't, I didn't want to leave and get like a ninety-five in my last class. So I was like, "Fuck it." Right. I'll Why stay. didn't you want to watch it in your last class though? I just it was the last class. I was tired. It was it's it was a late class. It was the six to nine class. Yeah. So it was already late in the day. I was tired. I wasn't really in the mood for The Exorcist, and I think I had other stuff that I needed to take care of, and I just wanted to go home and like take care of stuff and like make dinner and, and whatever. And he picked the extended edition of The Exorcist, which is like. 30 minutes longer than the original exorcist and i was like oh my fucking god again fantastic movie eventually i settled in and was like enjoying it but like the first 
first 20 minutes of the extended edition are brutally long. Like it's, I'm glad that they cut it out for the theatrical version because I don't know why we watched the extended edition. It's objectively a worse version. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not paced well. But uh, as the movie went on, I started to fall back into it again, and and I do love that movie. It is fantastic. But it wasn't the best experience because I just wanted to fucking go home. <laughs> Going into this movie, uh, when I had heard it get announced and I knew David Gordon Green was making it and he made the original Halloween movies, I did not have high expectations because. I mean, you and I have talked about those Halloween movies. We did a whole episode on them. Yeah. Oh, God. Like, the first one, you and I, you and I agree the first one was, like, manageable, right? Like, yes. It it did the Halloween tropes. It delivered what we expected it to deliver, and it was fine. The next two, particularly the last one, fucking atrocious. Atrocious. At the very least. It's the worst scored one that we've ever done. Like, probably, dude. Halloween ends is one. One of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. At least Halloween Kills has like cool kills in it and like yeah. interesting concepts that just get underdeveloped. Halloween Ends is dumpster fire garbage. <laughs> it's so bad. So going into this movie, I had lower expectations because I think The Exorcist is like a thousand times better of a movie than Halloween. And so it has much higher, uh, a much higher bar to reach for being acceptable. And it's also a movie that more so than the original Halloween does not demand a sequel. Like it, it can exist on its own and does not need to be followed by anything. Halloween, it's a slasher. You could easily follow the sequel. It's whatever. Like yeah. that's that's fine. But The Exorcist was without a doubt a solid story start to finish. You don't need anything else after that. Then we saw the trailer for it on 70 millimeter film at the Oppenheimer screening. Yeah. And the trailer looked really cool. The trailer looked cool as shit. Am I wrong? It was, well, I guess for a horror person, that can be cool. For me, it was disturbing, so it was effective at the least. That's, yeah. that's what I'll say. It was also it was, very uh, loud, though. The trailer is there. Oh Even the holdovers trailer was, like, yeah. uncomfortably loud, so I think that, that had a part to play in it. It definitely had a part to play, because when I was watching trailers for movies in the last, in the two movies I saw yesterday, The Creator and The Exorcist, I was like, man, these trailers are so quiet. Like, I feel like if they were really booming, I'd be more into it. But I know why they do that. I mean, they're just trailers. You don't really yeah. need to be loud. People are still talking or whatever. But when we saw Oppenheimer and we, those trailers were blasting, dude, I was zoned. Like, I wanted to see The Exorcist really bad, and I want to see The Holdovers really bad now, too, because I was so zoned into the trailer and what was playing that it was so captivating. So mm-hmm. play your trailers louder. I mean, people will watch them, and people will get interested. That's how you get people to come back to the theaters. Play them loud. Make them get interested, get invested. Stop playing that newbie shit or, like, <laughs> Apple iPhone commercials or fucking whatever. Right. Uh, and so after that trailer, my interest peaked up a little bit because it looked very good the concept is a little different it's two girls instead of one and they're connected somehow so obviously like there's a little bit of a twist there uh and my initial impression is i i went in not reading any reviews from anywhere didn't look at any scores or anything i just wanted to go in blind i liked it more than i thought i would and having seen their reviews afterward i don't think people are giving it enough credit because right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a score of 22%. So it's, oh, man. it's getting some really bad scores. IMDb, it doesn't have a lot of scores on it right now, but right now it's at a 5.2. Like it, it's not doing well score wise. Yeah. I don't think it deserves that bad of a score. I thought it was decent at best. Now it does the same thing. It, it, it's on par with like that first Halloween remake that David Gordon Green did, where it's like, 
you're not really doing anything too original, but you are following the tropes pretty well. And you're bringing back old characters, which is kind of cool, but you're not really developing them that well. But it is what it is. And like some of the shots were cool. Right. I thought it was shot really well. I thought it like looked very, very good. I thought a lot of the scenes of like them being in the doctor's office was really cool because they use camera like flash cameras to add a sense of eeriness to it. I thought a lot of the horror elements of it were pretty scary, except they do rely a little bit too much on like stupid little simple jump scares, like slamming a hand on a window or like a snake just jumping out of nowhere. And I feel like relying on that too heavily, especially early in the movie uh, isn't good. I feel like the pacing was definitely off a little bit. Like story wise, it was paced well as a whole. If you look at the whole thing wide out, Mm -hmm. but if you look at it editing wise, it, I guess the original or the, the Halloween movies that he did are kind of similar where it just feels like he's scared to hold on to a shot for more than like three seconds. And so they're just cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting because he just wants the pace to be quickened up. And the real, the original Exorcist is a fairly slower horror movie that takes its time and really slowly burns as it unfolds. And then we'll pick up the pace rapidly when shit hits the fan, which right. was like uh, uh, an advantage to it. And they don't lean into that enough. If you ask me, they definitely cut and cut and cut and cut and cut. And it could have been because, like, the story itself, the story is you're never going to watch it. No. Are you about to spoil it? Sure. Okay. So spoiler warning. If you all haven't seen The Exorcist yeah. Believer, then bow out now. Skip the story ahead. is um, the main character is I think it's Leslie Odom Jr., right? I want to say that's who it is. I'm not sure. I don't even remember from the trailer. It's Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah. So it's Leslie Odom Jr. And he has. He, he the very beginning is he's like on vacation with his pregnant wife. They're in Haiti. She does like a, a spiritual uh, thing for her preg- for uh, her uh, unborn baby uh, for like protection. Like a, a Haitian woman does like a, a ritual for her, which is cool. It has nothing to do with like the, the exorcism or anything. It's just like a cool scene of like them doing like this protection spell on her. And then like a hurt or a, a earthquake happens, and then the wife dies. And he has to choose between the wife and the daughter, like saving one or the other. And then it cuts to like 13 years later. The daughter's alive. The mother's dead. And she's like going to school and stuff. So like the setup is there. Like it's a decent, like we know enough about his character. We know enough about his past to be vaguely interested in what's happening to him. Right. And then uh, the the main chain of events is that his daughter and then another girl at the school go off into the woods after school one day, like lie to their parents and like skip school and go to, or like don't go home after school. And they go into the woods and try to do like a seance. Cause she wants to like talk, talk to her mother and whatever, uh, like in the afterlife. And, um, they're gone for like three days and like, they can't find them and they eventually find them. They do like tests on them. They think they've only been gone for a few hours, but really they've been gone for three days. And so like, they just don't know what happened. And then they're just possessed. Like, it's the, it's the exact same like chain of events as the original Exorcist is that slowly but surely they become more and more possessed and gross. They stab themselves. They peel off their nails. They like they like scream and squirm and they're like vomiting and stuff and they're like yelling. And so like it's the exact same chain of events as the original Exorcist. So it's like to a T, very, very similar. Gotcha. My, the, the big problem is that other than Leslie Odom Jr. and his daughter, the, the rest of the characters, there's zero character development. None whatsoever. They are the same characters throughout, pretty much, which is a bummer because you had the parents of the other girl who were like these super conservative Catholics who 
bring like an interesting flair to like his he's like a non-believer who brings in like a, 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 a like a, a another haitian woman in at the end to like do more practices mm-hmm. uh to, during the exorcism and then they bring in like the catholic priest so it's like happening at the same time so like there's like bits in there and the problem for me was they wanted to tie it to the original exorcist so they bring in ellen burstein again Mm-hmm. Like, it's been 50 years since that original exorcist came out so she yeah. is she is old she is she is like on her last leg she's she's right. very very old what did they have her do so she in the in the world of the story world she wrote a book about her daughter's exorcism and like she becomes like a, an interest in it and like an expert in it but she's not an exorcist herself and he like goes to find her because he like reads her book and he's like can you help with like what's going on with my daughter and he shows her like pictures of his daughter and it looks similar to Reagan from the original movie. And so she agrees to come and it's the same thing as like Jamie Lee Curtis's character in the original Halloween where it's just cheesy dialogue of like, this happened to me once too. Yeah. And it's like, come on, like give her something better than that. Like give her a better character than that. Like it would have been so much more interesting like to bring her back and have her like be like scarred from her. Like, I feel like what's her name? Uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis had a bit more of an interesting character in the original Halloween. Like she was traumatized and she was like, like, like battered and whatnot. But in this one, she's kind of like the expert who just happened to be the main character in the original movie that they're just bringing back. And you can just tell. And so she goes in, they, she sees the other daughter or his daughter. And she's like, this is bad. We need to get them together and do an exorcism. And then she, they go to see the other daughter who's getting treated at home and they walk into the house and she's like confronting the, uh, the, the other daughter who isn't Leslie Odom Jr.'s daughter. And she instinctually knows somehow that it's the same demon that possessed her daughter in the original movie. I was going to ask that of like, is there some connection with like yeah. what the demon is and how they know? Because like when, when she sees Leslie Odom Jr.'s daughter – it's a really cool thing. It's cause she's in like a psychiatric hospital and she's like scratching on the wall and like the, the other characters can't see it cause it's on the wall where the window is, but it says Reagan, which is her daughter's name, which is just kind of like a cool thing that they put in there. And, and then she's like, uh, she's talking about the other daughter and then the Leslie Jr.'s daughter is like, she's waiting for you. And so she's like, uh, Ellen Burstein walks in the room and she's like, I know who you are. And I'm like, dude, come on. Like you can, you can build it up a little bit. Like, right. It could have been like a reveal, but no, like she just instinctually knows that this is the same demon that possessed her daughter. Like it could have been cool and you didn't make it cool. So it's whatever. And then um, that daughter freaks out. She starts like spasming things flying off the walls. Uh, Ellen Burstein saying like the powers of all that are holy are compelling you of like all gods and all holy beings are compelling you. And then the daughter like grabs a cross and she just stabs out Ellen Burstein's eyes. Which is kind of cool. Like I, I'm not against it, and so Ellen Burstein's like out for the rest of the movie, which I'm in favor of. I didn't really want her to be there for the whole movie. I wanted her to have a much smaller role. But she didn't. She got. Die. She gets stabbed in the eye. No, she's just blind for the rest of the movie, and she's like in a hospital room. So that happens, and then the movie starts to taper out a little bit because they get to the exorcist part, and it's like the lesson they learn is that the power of religion is the power of people. And like being together, and so we need to like recruit a team, and so they they do like they do like a recruiting thing where they get people together to like do the exorcism, and it just feels kind of cheesy and like they do a religion Avengers, 
they they get like they get the the Catholic people, they get their priest, they get the Haitian woman, they get uh, another Catholic priest who is like a professional in exorcisms, but he's like not super interested in going in because he's advised by the archdiocese not to do it because it's dangerous and whatever. Mm-hmm. But like they get everybody together and they put them all in a room and they start doing the exorcism. And um, it wasn't as cool as the original exorcism. Like that one's like, it's like 40 minutes or like 30 minutes of the movie at the end. And it's just so cool. Like everything that's part of it. It's, it's very intense and it's very long and it's very repetitive and it's very interesting. And this one was like, they try to hit the notes, but it's just these girls like squirming in the chairs and they like toss water on them every once in a while and say the things and they speak in like the demon voice and they tease them a little bit, but it's like, it's very drab. It's very monotone colors. It's very dull looking. It wasn't very compelling. And then, and then the priest who was like against going in, he comes in at the last second and he's like, he starts reciting passages from the Bible to like combat against them. And he puts his hands on the, the daughters and he's like, trying to compel the evil forces to leave them. And then the one uh, daughter that isn't Leslie Adam Jr., she starts to like twist her neck and then his neck starts getting twisted and then it just fully twists around the back of his head and breaks his neck. That was kind of cool. And so he dies. And then, um, God, what happens next? And then the, the demons off the demons reveal that Leslie Odom Jr., in Haiti, in the beginning opening sequence, when he was given the choice between his daughter and his wife, he chose his wife, but she just ended up dying on the table and they, they were able to save the daughter. So, mm-hmm. like, they reveal that the choice he made was to save his wife and not his daughter. And so, like, his daughter's like, you never wanted me, like, things like that. And then and then the demons offer a choice and they're like, you have to choose which one daughter lives, one daughter dies. Which, I mean, I could see it coming from a mile away that they were going to do that. Right. But honestly, it's kind of cool. I thought it was kind of like a neat twist to do. Like you have to choose, but then they just keep doing the exorcism. They refuse to choose. And then it goes on too long and it becomes too terrible. And then the father of the other daughter freaks out and he chooses his daughter. He goes, he goes, Catherine, I choose you. And then like the, the daughters go, ah, and then Leslie Odom Jr.'s daughter like floats in the air and then she dies for a second. Like, like her heartbeat, the heart monitor goes completely out and she's on the ground. And then they, and then the movie visually, looks fucking awesome like he goes all in he shows like really creepy shots of like demons and like this daughter Catherine, who's the other daughter she's like in this tunnel and she's getting attacked by the demons and like it has her father's voice saying i choose you and then it becomes the demon's voice saying i choose you and then the demon grabs her and drags her down into the waters of hell and and so that daughter dies but then leslie odom jr's daughter comes back and then it has like and then it has the David Gordon Green montage at the end, like all the Halloween movies do, where it's just like montages of the characters and where they are afterward of like right. how this happened to them and like characters saying very cheesy dialogue about like what this sort of thing does to you. And then it just ends. And there's not a lot of resolution. Huh. So all in all, it was better than I thought it was going to be. It definitely had scarier moments. It fell into a trap that a lot of more modern horror movies do, which is it's too afraid not to be a horror movie at times. I feel like the best horror movies are the ones where it knows when to be scary and when to just be a normal movie. Like right. to just be a normal drama for parts that aren't supposed to be scary. And then when it's supposed to be scary, then you lean into it. And The Exorcist was like the peak of that. There's so much just normal character moments between like the priest going around town and like, uh, Ellen Burstein just like 
having like parties with her friends and stuff like just normal character building moments that make the more horror elements stand out a lot better. And this was one of the movies where it's like, it's trying to give that eerie feeling throughout the whole thing. And it just didn't need to do that because it already has like, not a great script, but a decent start to where it's trying to follow the formula of the original exorcist. Yeah. Like it had that there. Yeah, it did it fairly well following that formula, and it was like slightly original, which was nice to see. It just didn't end well in terms of any types of resolution, and it didn't have a lot of character development, which wasn't great. But it had the building blocks there, which was more than I thought it would have. I thought it would just be garbage, but it had elements to it. I thought I was going to end up giving this like a Halloween ends kind of score, like a one or one and a half. But at the end of the day, I'm going to give it a two and a half, maybe a three. I didn't think it was as terrible as I thought it was going to be. Now, again, the original Exorcist is phenomenal. Right. It's a full five out of five. Like, it is an incredible, incredible movie. This one, not as much, not nearly. But for a a movie that did not need a sequel, for this to follow it up, didn't do, wasn't as atrocious as I thought it would be, which is an accomplishment. (laughs) That's a win. It is an accomplishment. It is a win, for sure. And I don't think it deserves the hate that it's getting on a lot of review websites. I think if you go into it open-minded and you are aware that it will never live up to the original and you just try to have a good time and like get scared and enjoy it a little bit, you will find some enjoyment out of it. But no, it's not. It's not like it's nothing like the original, like not even close. (laughs) So two and a half, I'll, I'll say two and a half out of five. Gotcha. All right. And you weren't able to catch dumb money. I was not able to catch dumb money. Let's let, hit, hit me with it. Hit me with dumb right. money. So, filmed by Craig Gillespie, who did Itania, Cruella. This, of course, dealing with the crazy GameStop stock extravaganza from 2021. So, already got a movie out about it. Had a stacked cast. Listen to this Paul Dano, Shailene Woodley, Pete Davidson, American Ferreira, Seth Rogen, Nick Offerman, Anthony Ramos. Dane DeHaan is in this. So from Oppenheimer in this, a man Wait, is having a comeback. You said who, Ferreira? America Ferreira. Because <laughs> <laughs> on our script, you wrote American Ferreira. But did I say that? I don't think I did. I th- I it sounded like you did for a second there. <laughs> and it also sounded like you said American Ferreira. And I went, what? Well, <laughs> that's funny. Go. Salute. Um, then we have... <laughs> we have uh, the so yeah that stacked cast which yeah a lot of them are fun they're interesting to watch in the role um so it was definitely trying to take on not exactly a big short vibe but definitely wanted to have those like outrageous comedic moments uh but also try and balance it with the more dramatic moments of like these normal everyday people that are trying to stick it to these big wall street hedge fund investors that have an insane amount of money and so they're just trying to do what they can they're all in debt like they have a couple different like these characters some are college students that are in crazy amounts of student debt um america ferrera's character is she's a hospital worker and she has like two kids and she's a single mom and she's in debt um, anthony ramos is a gamestop worker he's just working there and his boss is Dane DeHaan, and he's just like a, a corporate show, basically, like making sure that all the steps are followed, 
all the little codes they have to do, the upselling that they have to do on any of the customers. He's like trying to stick them to that. So we get a variety of perspectives, but the main guy is Keith Gill, played by Paul Dano, and his family. How he's he's Roaring Kitty on YouTube, deep effing value on Reddit. He was the guy that essentially put in a whole bunch of money and then was showing his positions and got the whole thing kickstarted. And then all these other characters are following him, seeing that they that he likes GameStop, and then they start investing as well. And then it follows the whole crazy climb of GameStop um, over late 2020 and then into January 2021. So overall, I thought it was a really enjoyable movie. I think it's fascinating that it's sort of functioning as a period piece already of the pandemic. So many of these characters are wearing masks in certain settings. Um, and again, that's like another component that interesting speaks to their character, but also to just the time that they were in. Um, so it was, it was weird, like seeing everyone wearing masks again. And then because for so long, like a year and a half, most encounters you had, you're not seeing people's the bottom half of people's faces, you're just yeah. seeing your eyes. Of and course. so for this film to commit to that of like, we're going to obscure an actor's face for so much of it, I thought it was pretty bold, but it set the stage really nicely of like, we are back in that time. And this is just, that's how it was. So that was pretty fascinating to see, see that. In terms of the, like capturing the spirit of this extravaganza and specifically the like Wall Street bets subreddit thing, I think they did well. They lean a little too much on like having the, having like newsreels and snippets of the media, like commenting on it um, Mm -hmm. to give like the exposition of where we're at. I feel like that was a little overplayed, but I thought the moments where they would showcase like the different social media posts or again, like the Reddit posts of these people reacting to what was going on. I thought that part was done well because they're trying to showcase like, oh, this organic online movement that was coming up and it being just a bunch of people that again, did you ever like when it was going on, did you ever go to the Wall Street Bets subreddit? No. You ever actually visit that? No. It's just wild how like these people are calling themselves degenerates. They're saying things like they would call the hedge fund people gay bears, like the people that are trying to, that want to short GameStop and want to see it fail. They're like saying gay bears. Um, just all the the crazy lingo stuff. They would always make like cuck jokes as well of, like, <laughs> I lost another thousand dollars. My wife's boyfriend is going to be mad at me or something. <laughs> I love those jokes. <laughs> yeah. So... That's so funny. That stuff often. um, Yeah. So just them capturing that lingo is pretty good. It's also funny because like uh, when I worked at the writing center, people would bring in their papers. They're like ENC 1101 papers where they have to do a research project. Mm -hmm. And there were at least five that dealt with GameStop, like people coming in to look at the online community of Wall Street Bets. So it'd be like every like for a few semesters in a row i would just see people coming in with the uh that thing and then seeing all the the lingo again of to the moon stonk the uh diamond hands like all this stuff so i think they honestly did capture that part really well and they use some like you know editing techniques and musical choices to accentuate the uh unhinged energy of that that subreddit so i think they did well on that 
I think they could have explained the whole financial stuff a bit better to showcase like why this was such a crazy thing in a once in a lifetime event uh, with the short squeeze. I don't think they really leaned into that as much as they could have because they, they like tried in some places to have them explain like, oh, here's how a stock works and here's how this GameStop thing is going on. But hmm, not the most compelling sort of explanation of how the financial system works. Not I've like the big it. short. No. <clears throat> um, but yeah, overall, like it hits its stride, I think, in the second act when they're all like starting to invest in and it's beginning to rise and they're starting to get excited and see that this could be something and they're all like banding together like that feeling of it of these like everyday normal people that are banding together against the uber wealthy elite that have all these advantages with the stock market and stuff like that i thought that was done really well um but towards the end of the film i thought there were missed opportunities with the mm. the things that happened again like the crazy things that happened not really a spoiler if anyone remembers like what happened but like the way that the trading was halted where people couldn't buy anymore but they could sell yeah like that is an insane thing to happen like it was literally on the cusp of straight up going to the moon it had hit nationwide that was the other thing too is like the way that made it seem it was like all throughout 2020 people were paying attention to this it really only like towards that end of january is when it hit nationwide like everyone and your mother was aware of gamestop now and so everyone was like about to invest into it so it was literally on the cusp of like yeah truly changing and sticking it to the the wall street people um, and they didn't really lean into it, like how insane that was and how much of a just game changer it was for the people that had now invested all this money and to see it all drop away from them or escape from them because it was rigged yeah. in that last moment. Um, I feel like they could have mined the drama there much better and have like lower lows for the characters. Um, but yeah, overall it was really enjoyable I I had fun with it, especially since I was able to relive some of the uh, the craziness of that time. How much money did you put into GameStop? It was one of the uh, folks. Here's the thing. So I was looking back because I was wondering, because it was around summer of 2020 is when they started showing Keith Gill doing the uh, like his videos on GameStop. So I went to go see when did I first invest in GameStop? Because yeah. um, as you know, me and our, our friend Mason were... Uh already memeing that a little bit before it happened um which by the way it was just it was fun to relive that um but it was it was in march of 2020 literally like right when the pandemic happened is when i invested some into gamestop That's i think I, we talked in the california split episode or something like that where again like when that hit i started like looking at those stocks and playing around with some of them and gamestop was one of them just because it made sense back then of course i had no idea of like the short squeeze potential. I didn't know who Keith was. Like I wasn't looking at stuff. I was literally just like, it's so low right now. They're about to release the next gen consoles. It has to go up somewhat. So yeah. I was like, that was my only logic of I'm going to invest some money. So it wasn't a lot. Um, but then later I saw in June of 2020, which is when around this has happened, I put in a little bit more. But of course, again, I'm not trying to be very risky. So I didn't put in too too much but could you have imagined if i did get like crazy addicted and now i'm gambling and i took out like a student loan or something and put it all in a gamestop it would have been Use so risk because you know, you know, did you hear Mason's... four dollars yeah eight cents in and it went up to like 400 
never really that high. It was like, yeah, 350, I think, was a high. The highest it closed was like 320, something like that. That's crazy. But it could have. It should have. If they didn't stop the trading, it would have been able to go up to like 400. That's insane. Did you hear Mason's, uh, what his original plan was and how much money he would have made off of it if he's if he yeah, to it? Let's not mention that on the, on the That's thing, crazy. It is crazy. Well, so yeah, he was saying, money. But yeah, because we were memeing it too. Of course, we had no idea that it would become the craze. I knew, again, I knew it would go up. A little bit and that was what i was counting on i did not realize how it would become a sensation all this but the fact that i was holding on to some some of these stocks for uh some of the game stop shares for this whole period and i was like looking on uh the the subreddit just to see all the craziness going on it was a fun time so reliving that it was great um but yeah do you want to know how much i made from gme please tell me $49,000. You're shit. It really pissed me off because it was three shy of a grand a week. <laughs> you made yeah, $49,000? Was... No. Oh, fuck you. Coming off of <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street. I was about to just jump out my window. <laughs> I, oh, God. How much did you, you actually make? Bands. That's what a I little... thought. That's what, yeah. I, that's what I thought, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, because, again, I didn't have, like, that much money to be like spinning around investing but again like if i were crazy enough to do something like that of like taking out a loan or putting like all my money that i had in there the return How much did on you... investment crazy it's like thousands of percentage points yeah. how much did That's you put insane. in originally it was i think 100 50 or something like that again like i was it was small fry stuff yeah um but at like four dollars a share that's crazy yeah which is still again really good for how crazy it went yeah like four dollars to 300 something and at what number did you sell at is insane um so i was looking at that too to see like where when i had sold because the film ends after which is still crazy this man is insane i remember when it happens he went before Congress. They like called him in for Congress and all the like hedge fund people to figure out what was happening. And then the day after that, he doubled his position. He bought like fifty thousand more shares when he was already trading at like a hundred eighty or two hundred something like that. That was insane. But yeah, it was fluctuating all throughout like early twenty twenty one, and then mm -hmm. summer. I I was looking. I got out just in time. Because it never really nice. went higher, so it was two eighty eight. Nice, two eighty eight was the when I uh, yeah had sold it at, but it was I was trying to find like the right exit point. I wanted it to be at three hundred dollars a share. That would have been awesome, but it's crazy. But yeah, so you never, you never. My biggest fucking regret in life. <laughs> my biggest fucking regret in life is that I didn't listen to Mason when he very briefly one message sent in our group chat said buy GameStop stock and i just <laughs> did not give it enough weight when i read it was one minuscule little message in our group chat by gme and right. i just did not take it seriously when he said it because it's gamestop and so i didn't put it and i had the money i could have put in two thousand dollars probably at that moment i could have put oh two thousand dollars into gamestop would i, I have do i don't what know what time that was what was it trading at at that point because again we were like he messaged in like summer and it was like and it was like six bucks mm. God. the money i would have made off of that hundreds of thousands of dollars so glad to because it was towards like december time like towards the end of the year holiday season is when the consoles were gonna come out and then that's when like we started seeing the craze happen so i'm so glad that i didn't 
like get out i don't know like fall of 2020 and then miss this whole thing that would have been worse like if you were on board but then you sold early that would have been a worse feeling than like never getting on board at all yeah sure but so even when it was like when it happened january 21 and everyone and your mother's talking about it you didn't decide to throw in there no i don't think i had money at that point okay yeah but but at the time in summer of, of 2020, when Mason first mentioned it, I probably, if I had taken it like slightly more th- seriously, knowing myself, I would have probably been willing to put in like a thousand dollars in the GameStop. Just be like, worst case scenario, if it starts to lose too much, like if I drop and lose a couple hundred, I could just pull it out later and just be like, oh well, I took the L on a couple hundred bucks. It's whatever. Yeah. But best case scenario is the consoles will release and I'll make a couple hundred bucks off of it, which would be nice because I could use the mm-hmm. extra hundred bucks. And I'm not using that thousand right now anyway. And if right. I had left in that one thousand dollars, dude, I would have made probably just as much as Mason did, which is it would have been life changing, yeah, life altering at this moment in my life. That would have been a crazy amount of money. Yeah, truly insane stuff. So, again, this story is wild again like once in a lifetime thing yeah so just being able to relive that experience with this movie i think is is amazing in and of itself again the like period aspects of it too i think it's going to age really well like as we get further and further from this being able to revisit it i think Mm -hmm. will be great i just think yeah it doesn't go far enough in certain areas to like make us feel like the how awful it was when they again like the whole thing was like oh we're taking it to the system it's been rigged against the little guy for however long, but this is us taking it back. And then they literally stopped the trading. Like, that's crazy. But what a great, like, way to cap off the story and, like, showcase. Yeah, it is ultimately going to remain rigged against the little guy. But they didn't lean into that hard enough, which was so strange because that's, like, the whole spirit of the mm-hmm. this, like, event. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, I'm giving it 3.5 diamond hands out of 5. It's pretty good. Very enjoyable. And people should definitely you'll give it a watch. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to like later, later on down the line, a few years down the line, being able to watch it back again with a little more distance from the pandemic, from this event. I think it'll be even more enjoyable. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Is there anything else you've been watching in the month of September and the first week of October now? You wanted to talk <laughs> yeah. about? Reservation Dogs Season 3 just happened. It's the final season coming from creator Sterling Harjo. The series finale just happened this past week. Mm -hmm. So I watched that. I think the whole season was a great little wind down for the characters. It continues to be, I mean, I think I mentioned this in our grab bag. I don't know, something last year, talking about season one and two. But it's obviously great representation for Native Americans, um, like completely by, about, and for that community and so i think it's just a great like thing for people to be exposed to first of all because it has again like all the universal elements Mm -hmm. um great characters really down-to-earth characters things like that great themes um it also is a show that's very versatile like Mm -hmm. there will be episodes that are just an entirely different genre or sometimes they focus on a whole new character like a character that was just a background character now suddenly becomes more prominent and you could see their whole backstory and it's it's pretty great there's like flashback episodes too um they lean in much more to this idea of like these generations like the there's our like teen characters there's their parents and then there's like the elders in the community mm-hmm. and so the ties that they all have to each other how they're influencing each other um 
and again like that history of like the trauma this community has faced all the issues that they're facing as well but how they continually will come together support each other um, like all of that's just so sweet heartwarming honest like it, it's beautiful um so i think it's definitely worth a watch it's on hulu so it's like very accessible mm-hmm. so i think people should definitely give it a go um but yeah it's like a one-of-a-kind show not just for like the native american aspect of it but yeah just a lot of what it's trying to do being a very small scale show like it's not trying to continuously build up to some crazy thing it's very like true to life it takes a lot of inspiration from like Linklater films in that way um and ethan hawk even shows up (gasps) in season three i sent you a snap of that um i love ethan hawk yeah, so I think it's beautiful. It also has one of the best, I think, characters of this decade, Willie Jack. Everything she says is so funny. Just like, it's one of those things of like, the way they say it mm. can just elevate it so incredibly. So she is just, yeah, phenomenal. Always a joy to listen to. But the whole like ensemble cast overall is mm. phenomenal. And they gave a nice send off to it. So Res Dogs, very good. You give me a, you uh, recommend it? I should check it out. I think you should. I'd, I'd be interested to see uh, how you feel about it. Yeah. All right, I'll give it a shot for sure. Now that's all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show, you can email us at theboxofficeshowpod at gmail dot com. Our main title theme for the show, "Sundown" by Joseph McDade. If you like the show, please give us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to, and be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of your day.